freedom. It's something we have in Jesus Christ. It is. He gives us a brand new life, a brand new start, and releases us from a lot of the heavy weight, the baggage of the past that we carry because he offers us forgiveness and grace. Uh, it's amazing, really, because we talked about last week the freedom from a rules-based righteousness, a, f- a freedom from a type of righteousness where you have to earn your way into God's favor. You can't. The good news is Jesus came and gave his life for us so that we could receive his righteousness by faith as if it were our own amazing freedom in this relationship we have with Jesus. And today we're going to talk about forgiveness, which is very much tied to that, to what Jesus did for us. Those who live shackled to something somebody did in the past, they're not free. They're not free. And the way forward is to forgive. Now, full disclosure, this is not an easy thing oftentimes. It can be a a very difficult thing that the Lord asks of us, but he truly asks it of us for our own good, for our own freedom. And he offers truly remarkable resources to help us pull this off. Thankfully, as we started to talk about last week, um, if you think forgiving somebody for that thing they did or did over time, if you think that's really hard, Thankfully, it's, it's, it's not up to you. Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, remember, we talked about this last week. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's good news, right? And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Not in my faith in my abilities, Faith in my cleverness, faith in my amazing love, I live by faith in the Son of God. He loved me. He gave himself for me. This is the new life we have. And so I want to clear something off the top today. Since we're talking about uh, something that is hard and for some of us may even feel almost impossible given what you've been through, just know this. It's true. Christ lives in you. And we can choose to live by faith in Christ. We understand then that something like forgiveness is not up to us, at least not entirely up to us. If it were up to us, I think we could all agree we'd be in big trouble. But the good news is we have freedom in Christ because he lives in us and he powers the change within us to do more and to be more, more than we could ever be on our own. And I believe that is good news. Now to our text today. Here we go. Conversation, Jesus and Peter, apparently Peter found it, like many of us, kind of hard to forgive. So Peter came up to Jesus and said to him, Hey, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? I think that's a good question. As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. 
Now, that's a conversation. I like it because it's a conversation that any one of us could have had with Jesus just as Peter did. We all, every one of us, have relationships with flawed people. In fact, you don't have a relationship with any unflawed person because the only people we have around us are imperfect, including ourselves. And because of that, in all of our relationships, there will be a need to forgive. So we have to forgive, but we feel still, right, the pull of Peter's struggle. I mean, it is hard. Surely there's some limit, some reasonable ceiling to how often, how much I need to forgive someone. Remember last week, we saw an example also from Peter. Peter kind of messed up last week about the church in Antioch, the, what was going on up north there in the area of Galatia. Peter, this minister of the gospel, this uh, principal apostle, I think we could call him. Peter is up there and to get in good with the Jewish Christian crowd, Peter actually shunned the non-Jewish Christian crowd. It was not pretty. He would not eat with them. Paul actually had to kind of call him out and talk to him about that. Even Peter knew that he needed forgiveness from time to time. And of course, we're not even mentioning the three times he disowned Jesus at Jesus' greatest hour of need. You know, his arrest and trial and, Jesus, and Peter's over there like, I don't know that guy. I don't know him at all. Called down curses when he disowned Jesus even. And so Peter, (laughs) like me and like you, he knew that he needed forgiveness. But here we go. So the the rabbis of the day, this is what went around. Generally, it was thought you forgive someone once, you forgive them twice, you forgive them three times, that's it. That was the, the normal, standard rabbinical teaching of the day. You forgive someone three times. If they sin against you a fourth time, nah. No forgiveness for you. And so Peter, no doubt trying to impress Jesus, he takes that number, three, he doubles it, and he adds another cherry on top just for good measure. Should I forgive up to seven times? And Jesus responded to that. No, 77 times, Jesus said. And he told a story. I'm just going to read this story this morning. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven will be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought in who owed him 10,000 talents. And since this one could not pay, the master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant, and picture this in your mind's eye, the servant fell on his knees, imploring, begging him, have patience with me. I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. 
but. When that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him comparatively little, a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So this fellow servant, right, he refused. He fell down. He pleaded with him. Same, same scenario repeats itself. He said, have patience with me. I will pay you. <laughs> but he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Folks were observing this. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distress. They went and reported to their master, to the king, all that had taken place. The master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. You should, uh, and should not you have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. There is a lot that's helpful in that story that Jesus told. I think it gives us really sort of a roadmap to pull off forgiving someone, even in times where it might seem virtually impossible to do, uh, namely where there is a real and a serious offense. And kind of along those lines, it's interesting that in the story, Jesus chooses to use financial imagery, right? There is a, a loan, an amount of money that is owed to this king, to the supreme power in that area. Uh, so financial debt for Jesus becomes this reference point for the debt between people, right? Um, and I suspect he just wants to make it clear that what he's talking about is, is like real. It's tangible. There's actually something that happened that was wrong, something offensive, some unkind word, some mean uh, act that was committed against you. It's not imaginary. It's not just, you know, it, it's real. Financial debt is something you can count, something that, 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 that if it's not paid, there will be consequences. You know, your financial institution is not just going to say, eh, no problem. You know, it's all good. So Jesus wants us to know that when it comes to forgiving someone of something, we are forgiving, we're, we're talking about real sin here, real offense. Uh, if you forgive someone, it is because they actually did something, Right? There is a debt on the, on the relational balance sheet. They said something hurtful, harsh, rude, did something to you. Maybe they even wanted to hurt you, right? Um, and the parable Jesus tells says, hey, we're dealing with those kinds of situations, like, like something real. Now, I think we can all probably agree today, it, it wouldn't be normal or expected for the bank to forgive your debts. Uh, we're dealing with something that is generally uh, not an easy or a natural thing for us to do. I love the quote from C.S. Lewis. I tweeted this out a couple of days ago. C.S. Lewis once famously said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive, right? In theory, yes, 
Love forgiveness, what a beautiful thing. In reality, wait a second, forgive that guy for that thing that he did? Nah, not happening. Now, why do you think Jesus spent so much time teaching about forgiveness? Why do you think Jesus built forgiveness into the Lord's prayer? The model prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive. Why would he do that? Because he knows us. He knows us so well. He knows forgiveness is something that is a common struggle, a difficulty for people to pull off. So in the story, the guy owes money to the king. He begs for more time to pay off the debt. And the king does something totally 100% unexpected, he says, your debt, forget about it. It's good. You don't have to pay it back. He lets go of his claim to a huge amount of money that is owed him, legitimately owed him. And then the turning point of the story where things begin to get ugly. What did the servant do? Now he's free, he's clear, he walks out of there. He is so quick, of course, to accept it. Yes, thank you very much. He walks out of there, and while he accepted forgiveness for himself, he would not offer it to the person who owed him. He turns to that guy, a paltry amount compared to the amount that he owed. He turns to that guy puts him in a chokehold and says, pay up, buddy, or else. And then he says, I'm going to have you thrown in prison until you pay off this debt. And in Jesus' story, things did not end well for the unforgiving servant, did they? He is the one who finds himself in jail. Jail. There's an image Jesus chose. Imprisonment, I think, is a good image for what is, it is like for the unforgiving person. They have locked themselves into this confinement, into this misery. Perhaps, in some cases, you could even call it an emotional, spiritual torture. It is dark. It is lonely. And there's just bitterness and resentment in that dark cell of torment. So clearly, Jesus wants us to see that we must be a forgiving people. God, our Father, expects for us, his daughters and sons, to forgive as he forgives and as he has forgiven us. And one key reason that we are equipped to forgive is just that we have some idea of just how much God forgave us. Amen? He forgave us an enormous sin debt that we had piled up. He forgave us our offenses against His holiness, our rebellion against His perfect will. He forgave us all of this. He, the King of the universe, made a choice to forgive And what an expensive choice that was. His own son dying on a cross. And so as I am 
sometimes tempted to look at the other guy, the other party in my life as, as the guilty one. I remember, no, it, it's, it's me. I carry guilt. I'm a sinner. I struggle. I have failed. I have disappointed. I have betrayed. And God has forgiven me. In the words of our 20, 21st century theologian, Taylor Swift. Yeah, there we go. It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. At, every, at tea time, everyone agrees. So that's for the Swifties out there. Um, I mean, I think this is the thing, though, is realizing, right? I am a sinner. God forget. I am that first servant. You are that first servant. You came before the master, and you owed far more than you could pay. And he said, you are forgiven. And so he reminds us we are all ex-debtors. We have been forgiven much. And that compels us and propels us to be grateful and open-handed in the way we respond to people around us who have let us down, who have hurt us, who have not treated us well. Here's something I find helpful and I think needful clearly in the story that Jesus told and throughout the teaching of Jesus. Forgiveness is not a feeling, okay? It is not an emotion. It is an act of the will. Feeling forgiving is not a requirement, Choosing to forgive is a requirement. It's also, also helpful. Now, anytime we talk about forgiveness, we need to talk about for, forgive and forget. Um, yeah, if you can pull that off, sure, but we're not wired to pull that off. Our minds are not hard drives that we can just, whoop, totally forgot about what you did. We're not capable of that. That's impossible for us in many circumstances. Um, but the king in the story didn't forget I mean, clearly those ledgers still, he had a record of that at the end of the story. We see that. Um, he didn't forget about it. When we forgive someone, what we're doing is we're moving on without holding on. That's what we're doing. And so forgive and forget, it has such a nice forgive and forget, nice ring to it. But we're not wired to do that. The memory will be there still, but you can choose to forgive. Forgiving is intentional. Forgetting is not intentional. It's not something you can just, I decide, I'm going to forget that. Um, good luck with that. So, you may think, but I don't need to forgive that person. Um, because, you see, that person never apologized to me. That person never acknowledged they did anything wrong to me. Uh, they never asked me to forgive them, so I don't need to forgive them. Um, okay, <laughs> If that were a precondition for forgiveness, then the guy in the parable that Jesus told would never have had his debt forgiven by the king. Why? He never asked for his debt to be forgiven. What did he ask for? He said, uh, king, uh, be patient with me. Uh, give me more time. I promise you I will pay it all off. He never asked for forgiveness, but he received it. And so Ephesians 4.32 we forgive as God forgave us. Be kind to one another. 
tenderhearted, forgiving one another <laughs> as God in Christ forgave you. As God forgave you. If I only forgive people who beg for forgiveness, if I only believe that I need to forgive those who deserve forgiveness, then I am not forgiving people the way God in Christ forgave me. Right? So forgiveness is, what, what is it? It is, it is surrendering my right to hurt you. It is cutting the chains of bitterness, cutting the chains of resentment that imprison my heart, that put me in spiritual jail. Forgiveness means that I give people a fresh start by declining to hold on to the list of offenses that they have committed against me. And as believers, it is really hard for for us to ever get too far away, right, from remembering how God forgave us in Christ. I mean, it is built into the two major Christian rites that are celebrated all around the world by a variety of Christian groups. There, there's the Lord's Supper and there's baptism, front and center, reminding us how much we have been forgiven, right? Every week, come to the table. Remember, remember, Jesus says, how much you've been forgiven. Remember what I did for you to set you free. And baptism, that marker in a person's life when they surrender their life to Jesus and they wear him and their sins are washed away. Be baptized, right, for the forgiveness of sins. These two rights, Christianity, are tied to forgiveness. And I think God wanted it that way for us. Quickly, I'm just going to read these off. This is from Ken Sandy. He's done a lot of work on uh, peacemaking between people. So here are four commitments I make when I decide to forgive someone, when I make that choice, one thing that I do, I decide I will not dwell, dwell on this incident. I'm not going to go revisit that over and over again. I will not dwell on this incident. I will not bring up this incident again and use it against you. I will not talk to others about this incident. You won't believe what this guy did to me. I mean, I forgave him and everything, but you won't believe what he did I will not let this incident stand between us or hinder our relationship. Here's where I think we need to finish up this morning. Jesus once said, Luke 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Them. They they don't know what they do. He didn't ask this forgiveness for someone who, you know, cut him off in traffic. He didn't say, Father, forgive them, you know, those people who tweeted mean things about me last week. He, he wasn't talking about that. Who was the them, the they that Jesus was talking about? And so there was a team of Roman soldiers who had 
sadistically flawed, flogged him, spat upon him, mocked him by placing this royal robe over his shoulders and pressing this royal crown of thorns over his head. Them. Them. Crucifixion detail led him up the Via Dolorosa, hammered nails through his hands, through his feet, hung him to the cross to die. Them, right? Father, forgive them. Jesus hung on the cross, spending his last bit of energy pulling himself up just so he could, could breathe, so he could suck in more air into his lungs. He pulled himself up in that excruciating pain. And while he did that, the soldiers played a game to decide who could keep his stuff after he died. As he bled out, there was this circus atmosphere around him. And he said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. In the middle of that macabre horror show, Jesus prayed for them that that, that would not be held against them. He released them. And if you think about it, that prayer, that little prayer, Father, forgive them, it summarizes his whole ministry, his whole mission. It's why he left heaven and came to earth. Jesus was in the forgiveness business. And if you call God Father, welcome to the family business. We forgive in the kingdom of God. Children of the king forgive. What happened there at Calvary so many centuries ago, it still reverberates across the universe. People, all kinds of people, all tribes, all ethnicities, all nations, every single one of them united by the fact they are a sinner. And forgiveness was poured out, available to all, because of what Jesus did. Jesus was in the forgiveness business. And now he calls us to forgive. Let's pray as we close out our time. If you would bow your head, close your eyes. Let's talk to Father about this. Father, We are overwhelmed by what you did for us. Jesus, we are overwhelmed by your act of forgiveness. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for erasing our sin debt. You died for us. For for us and for our friends and our families. You died for those we love. And you died for those who have disappointed us and hurt us and betrayed us. Lord, help us to be more like you. We need your help. You live in us. May we live by faith in you. 
so that even when we don't feel much like forgiving, by your power and your grace, by your heart, we choose that path, the same one that you chose, the path of forgiveness. I pray specifically right now for anyone today who is struggling to forgive someone. As you declared through your prophet, Zechariah, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. By your spirit, may we be able to forgive and so experience freedom in Christ. We offer this prayer in your name. Amen.